and the recording has stopped, just in the case if we stumble upon something okay. I want to talk about. British <laughs> sex education. <laughs> sex education, actually, in the UK is, well, in my day, which is, we're talking 25 years ago, non-existent. Didn't have anything. I had one lesson of sex education. Okay. And literally, the teacher told us how bad anal sex is. I went to an all-boys school. Okay. That was the only sex education lesson we had, which was about an hour. And it was about how anal sex leads to HIV, to AIDS. Don't do it, lads. That was pretty much it. Other than that, we had nothing. That's among yourself? Or with... Well, with anyone. Okay. Whatever. But the message was clearly, do not have sex with boys. Boys. <laughs> I don't know what the sex ed is like was, was today. That, was that a problem? Was it a problem? Yes. Well, I don't know. I think we were just a bit confused by it all, really. Because it was part of our biology class. And I think we, at some point we expected to have some sort of sex education. Yes. Because we were like 12, 13, 14. At the time, we probably need it. And, uh, and it was, yeah, non-existent. And then, once you got it, you got it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Anal sex is bad, boys, yeah. for an hour. That's it. Hmm. A guy called Mr. Lansley, who was the deputy headmaster, and he obviously had a bit of a sort of bee in his bonnet. Okay. That the, he needed to preach this message. Mm -hmm. It was his duty. It was just funny, really. Just funny. Hmm. The wives of your... your Childhood friends are happy because you don't come on them and say, "Look, baby, I just need it." <laughs> okay. No. <that's> <laughs> okay. So, good morning. Good morning, and we have Tom Idol. Hello. One of the most charming men <laughs> I've happened to meet. Well, please, sir. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Okay. There, there is something about you, you know. It's deadly. <laughs> we'll stay away from anal sex. <laughs> yeah. It is bad. <laughs> so the topic today is British educational system. Yep. I, I'm, I must caveat this whole episode by saying I'm not an expert, okay. but I have gone through the British education system. Yes. Uh, through schooling, through university. So that's really my only qualifications to talk to you about this, Helmets. But, so um, how do you classify yourself today? Uh, I'm a professional, so I graduated with a degree, and yeah, I guess I, I describe myself as a professional because I have a specific qualification. I studied journalism, yes, a uh, degree in journalism, and uh, and went into that profession. So, I guess to a point, I have learned a trade. But that's the thing with you know with with options for young people now. There's so many different options to to end up in the career that you want to end up in. For me, I always knew I wanted to be a journalist from the age of 14. And Seriously? So, yeah, yeah. Annoyingly, actually. I don't uh, think it was particularly... Uh, after the lecture of anal sex, you understood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> By the age of 14, I thought, do you know what? I really want to be a sports reporter. I'd like to go to football matches and, and write for the local newspaper. And so that, that's what set me up on my path. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I don't think it was a particularly good idea to have such a clear idea of what I wanted to do because it did close down my options. But... Given I knew what I wanted to do, I then yes. knew what I needed to do to get there, because there was a kind of clear path, if you like. So you're saying 
Can we clarify what is what does the word professional mean? Sometimes I, to be honest, I'm clueless. Yeah, it's absolutely. Some, some, sometimes you sometimes when you are looking for apartments or for houses, yeah, that you want to rent, and they say available for professionals only. Yeah. Okay. So I think my definition would be that you have learned a trade, and you are able to continue working in one profession because you have built up sufficient capacity to be able to do that job. And I think going back to your rent example, you know, a landlord would want to know that if you were to lose your job in your profession, yes. that within a few weeks you could probably get another job because you've built up the skills, the knowledge, okay. the know-how in a profession to be able to get another job quickly. Yes, so if you lost a job not in a position but in a in a company. Yeah. In a company. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Whereas if you're a kind of a... You would be taken by by another one. Yeah. Yes. Whereas if you're doing a low-skilled job, the competition, I guess, is, is, is bigger because there's lots of people that can do those low-skilled jobs. Whereas if you have a profession, people trust, they, build, they buy into you to be able to do a certain job because you have the, the, yeah, the, the, know, the wherewithal, the knowledge, the learnings, the capacity to do that job, I guess. So I, I'm fascinated by journalism. I, don't, I guess I don't really call myself a journalist anymore. Because I, although I studied it, I didn't necessarily go into the okay. the true kind of profession of kind of delving into stories, telling news, breaking news. It never really appealed to me. I learned the, the skills of how to do it. But the idea of doing it for a living didn't appeal. And so I went in a slightly different direction. I went into kind of trade journalism. They call business to business journalism, mm -hmm. which was um, yeah running magazines that are read by businesses. So you are a mercenary. Are they called mercenaries? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I chase the money. Yes, paid, um, paid, the, paid warriors, the professionals. Exactly. Oh, those the, are professional killers. Exactly. The the, the pay on local papers was <laughs> is I think what was, what was certainly was back then really bad, really bad, to the point where you think, well, I can't really live on that, and so there must be something else I can do, and so I. Uh, yeah, pursued a different avenue. But I am fascinated by journalism, but I don't, I don't think I had the balls to do it, really. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, there was about 30 of us doing our journalism degree. Hardly anyone went into journalism, interestingly. A few people went into the, the mainstream newspapers and did kind of graduate schemes. Okay. One, one of my friends went on the, the graduate scheme for the Mirror, and uh, I remember she, her telling us about the experience and learning the skills of how to be a journalist on a national newspaper. And all of it just felt a little bit like, a little bit grubby. Um, not entirely what I would like to do anyway, door-stopping people that, whose relatives had just been killed or yes. that type of stuff. just okay. didn't appeal to me, frankly. Plus you're always chasing the, the newest thing. Yeah. You're, always, you're, you're always supposed to, to kill and deliver. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and I think you can only do it for a few years before you get absolutely worn out. Uh, I've just you, been with or, a, or you just become so cynical that... Yeah, exactly. I've just been with uh, a new client of mine this week, Nestle, yes. and the two guys that work for Nestle at the top in the comms team, both ex-BBC journalists. One was based out in Shanghai as their kind of China correspondent. One was a producer in the BBC in London. And both just utterly worn out of the whole thing and they've just kind of chased the money and gone into the corporate world. Okay. But I think that sort of journalism you can only do for so long and before you just get absolutely worn out. Um, so anyway, so I didn't, didn't end up, 
a proper journalist, shall we say. Come on. Well, in, in the traditional sense, in, the, who are, in who Tokyo your, Vice. Who, who are your clients? Who are your clients? Who are my clients? Uh, publishers? Mr. Non-Profit. No, just go on, corporates. Mainly corporates, yeah. Yes, and a few names. So Nestle, Virgin, um, Purina, okay, uh, Unilever, yeah, some, some big companies, yeah. Some big companies. Some big companies, yeah. And would you say that they would not employ a not professional journalist? Yeah, they wouldn't, yeah. Of, so yeah. They, they've employed you, sir? This is true. That is the answer? This is true. My modesty is getting in the way again. Professional mercenary. <laughs> so, where do you get your degree in journalism? So I went to a university, well, I went to an art college, oh. which had applied for university status. So I went to a place called the Surrey Institute of Art and Design, University College, the longest name in the world. Okay. Um, so it was an art college based in Farnham in Surrey, very small little village, uh, what town I suppose you'd say, but um, yeah, and obviously at some point it, it had applied for university status so that it could offer courses that ended in degrees, huh. which a lot of colleges have gone down that route. So you've got obviously the traditional universities, but a number of colleges now offer degrees. And, and there's actually, among a certain group of people, there is actually quite a lot of kind of snobbishness about universities, about the quality of the university you choose. And uh, in the end, depending on what job you want to go into, there is a certain kind of view that some employers might take about the, the, the kind of uh, how respected, how good, how sort of well-known that university is. I think it's, it's really just a differentiator. If you've got lots of candidates going for a job and there's been a, a couple over here that have gone to a better university, then they're, they're more likely to get the, the job. But that's only in some professions, I would say. So I went, yeah, I went down to Surrey and, um, uh, yeah, and stayed three years doing a journalism degree. How much did it cost? Well, actually, my first year, so the year that I went was 1998, and it was the first year that the, the tuition fees had okay. been brought in. Yes. And uh, so the year before, people paid nothing to go. So 1998? So, yeah, so in 1997, you paid nothing. Yes. In 1998, they brought in a tuition fee, which was £1,000 a year. Okay, so not too bad. Uh, so it's not too bad. And now they can charge up to £9,000 a year. So that's how much has changed. Oh, in the... Colleges, is there actually a roof how much colleges can charge? Uh, yeah. There's I, I thought I thought the 9000 thing was uh, the roof what the government would come up with with a student loan. Um, they can charge more if they want to buy the, the nine grand. You must was, be right. Was, was, was the safe limit for yeah. them. Otherwise, students were not able to get along. You might be right. I don't really courses. know, actually, but you might be right. Yeah. I've heard that Right. that thing actually destroyed the system as the universities and colleges thought, ah, why the hell should we charge four grand anyway? They'll come with nine. Yeah, yeah. And all raised up the prices immediately. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's either way, it's incredibly cool, expensive. Yeah. But... But... You, it's doable, yes. and you don't have to pay it back straight away. My wife went to the same university as me. She has sort of flitted around from job to job, never really gone into a career, so never really earned as that much money. Yes. Uh, she obviously had time off to have a, have a child, 
and she still hasn't paid her loan back. And she borrowed a lot more than I did. So you can, but you can get a student loan, there's something called the Student Loan Company, where you can basically apply for money to cover tuition fees, but also rent okay. and any other expenses while you're there. So you were actually the cheeky couple, you planned it all up front. <laughs> okay, darling. No, I think that, I, yeah, it's, <laughs> we'll take everything on your, under your name. <laughs> yeah, no, it's exactly what we did. No. Um, so yeah, I think she's still, she's still paying it back now. It took me about six years to pay mine off. And they take, it comes straight out of your salary. Yes. So the student loan company links up with HMRC, and yeah, it comes out of your salary. So you don't really notice it, and it's a percentage of, I've come up with the percentages, but I didn't really notice it. It was fine. It was, you know, about 30 quid a month or something. And then it sort of ramps up in line with your salary. So they take a percentage of it. So, okay, let us get back a bit. So you did, at the beginning, you did boys' school, that's grammar school, yes? Yeah, so I, was, I went to a grammar school, which was, um, yeah, I was living in London, and I had to do a test to get into a school in Kent. I had to do an 11 plus. What, what is 11 plus? So the 11 plus is something you, you sit when you, yeah, you sit a test to get into your secondary school. So this is a primary school stage. In your last year of primary school. Okay. You, oh, excuse me, I was, you... Yeah, you set you, you set a test, and if you pass that test, then you can go to a, a grammar school. So there's a, kind of, there's a selection process here in the UK. Yes, yeah. So it's designed to kind of separate kids at that age, 10, 11, so that the secondary school system can better support kids that have got more academic ability, and then everyone else goes over into comprehensive schools, and that's kind of the system that we have here. And there's a debate raging at the moment in... in, in politics about whether that system should be extended because there was um there's been a sort of a, a stop on on new grammar schools opening up because lots of people in government have sort of said it's it's not fair the system's just not fair especially at that age to separate kids out because the the kids that end up in comp schools will might be left behind and then all the focus is on the grammar school kids so there's a lot of debate about whether that's fair um, I was lucky enough to go to a really good grammar school, not particularly academic, but it was good sports, you know, lots of academically strong kids, Yes. Uh, all boys school, um, well funded, and yeah, I was one of the lucky ones really. No anal sex. No anal sex, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's, that's what I did. But there was, there's various tests that I had to sit to get into there, because some Grammar schools have an entrance test. I think most of them do as well. Is, is that is that the case that actually, if a ki- that those kids who do grammar school do better in life? Um, what would you say from your experience? As from my own, from my own side, I've seen few English. Yeah. Like middle class English. Mm-hmm. Almost, almost middle class English, and they've. They've done the grammar school, then the university, not the college, but the mm-hmm. university. And then they don't do anything. <laughs> Seriously. They yeah. just sit home with their parents, and either of the parents have got some disability, and they just leave. Hey, dad, hey, mom. Uh, Quite sad. I suppose there's a difference between the drive and ambition <laughs> yes. that you need to get on in the, the world of work is very, is, you know, is specific. And actually going for education, 
I don't know at such a young age that you really have that same determination to think, okay, if I pass this exam, it's going to lead to a better job, it's going to lead to a better life. I think at that age, you just sort of sail through. I know I did. I didn't really think about it. I just did my best. And lucky enough, I had enough ability to sort of to do it. I don't know. I, think, I don't think people really think about it when they're so young. And so even if you do very, very well through the academic system, there's no guarantee that that will then drive you on to think, okay, this is going to lead to a better life, a better job. Oh, come on. Of course, there are no guarantees in life, but, but still... In general, I guess what, what I'm saying say? is, just because you do well at school doesn't mean you have the capacity or the personality to then want to do well in the world of work. But in order to get into the grammar school, you only have to have some skills. You do, and actually, the the a lot of things, a lot of the time now, parents uh, pay yes. for tuition for their okay. kids. So at the age of like eight, nine, ten, um, if you spend enough money on private tuition outside school. Okay. Your kid is more likely to pass that 11 plus. And we had quite a lot of kids in our grammar school that probably went through tu- tuition, paid for by their parents. When they get to grammar school, it's clear that they're not cut out for it because they're not academic enough. And actually, they spent a lot of money on tuition just yes, to get yeah. through the exam. Yeah. But the reality just is... Just to get into that grammar school. Exactly. And in, and in fairness, that a lot of them struggled because they probably shouldn't have been there. I've actually heard that there are some kids like that yeah. that go into grammar school and wish they never were there. Yeah, yeah, you can see, and you can see it. Um, and, and and you know, you talk about the kind of the unfairness of the of well, the system. It's like, but know. it is kind of for for bright for bright kids. Yeah, it's for, it's who, for, who haven't got that much money. Well, grammar but, school. Yes, they are okay, but still, they are not that on that level. Yeah, they can't go to the public schools. So yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, there are private schools as well. Oh, sorry. That's what we call. That's what we call private schools. Public schools. Yeah, it's odd. Sorry. Private schools we call public schools. Oddly enough. That's completely opposite. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's weird. But yeah, so like the Eton, the you know all the all the famous private schools they're called public schools. Okay. So you call it public school boys. So over here we've got Benenden, something like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, there's one Sutton Balance, I think there's, yes. there's a few, there's quite a few around here. They cost around 20,000 a year, yes, or something? Something like that. I have no idea. Yeah, a, a lot of how, how do they work? What are they all about? Are they all about the connections and... Um, I think... I don't know, to be honest. I don't know, it's a world well, it's that's beyond a d- d- me. It's a different class thing. It's a different, yeah, it's people with bundles of money who can afford to do that got no idea what those schools are like. A lot of those schools offer boarding. What is boarding? So where kids just stay stay there okay. in a boarding house. Yes, like so like a dormitory. Yeah. Yeah. You don't use the word dormitory, no? And uh, boarding we say. Boarding, okay. Boarding and that, that would be equivalent equivalent to to dormitory, yes? Boarding. Yeah. Boarding yeah. school then. Yeah. Well usually kids would stay Monday to Friday, they'd come home weekends. Okay. Sometimes they'll stay all weekend. Um, but it's a different world. I've got no idea how those schools operate. They're f- heavily funded, which means the... Heavily, oh, privately I mean, funded. Yeah, lots and lots of money. Yes. I'm sure that the classroom sizes are probably a lot smaller. Teaching's probably better. Um, facilities are much better. Standards of education's better. And therefore those kids would come out of there, probably go to better universities, and then get better jobs. Plus, they build up connections. Yeah. Yeah, they're probably heavily connected through their parents as well anyway. 
Yeah, I went to a, I went to a party on Saturday night, which was um, run by I think I told you, you know, this this kid um, who's twenty. It was his twenty sixth birthday, and he ran, he now runs this fashion label. Okay. Um, selling t shirts, <laughs> ethical t shirts. Yes. And I didn't know this, but he I was sat next to these two mates of his just at the bar, and then this other girl came over and I heard them talking, and uh, she was like, "Oh, so how do you know Tom?" Uh, and they said, "Oh, yes, yeah, school, school." And she went, "What Eton?" And they went, yeah, yeah. So this whole party was just full of Etonians. Okay, and they um, uh, public school, public school people, and they are a different breed. <laughs> really God. I mean, they're lovely. They just, they just swan, they just swan around. They've just got no worries. They don't have that same instinct that that those of us who have to work for money have, because they're from money, so they have a different outlook on life. They're just more calm. They're just more. They've got no edge to them, really. How, you know? Seriously, how can they survive? This, um, this, this is what you, what you're describing. This is exactly how I see Britain right now. You're like, you haven't got the instincts of that. You've got to protect yourself. You you rob the world. That's fine. Look, that's fine. That's that's the way how the how the world works. Yeah. But then at the same time, you don't let those people in. Whom you've just robbed. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> you stay away from them. What? So how how do they protect themselves? Seriously, if they have money instincts, money doesn't last long. Even lots. It does of money. if you've got lots and lots of it. I mean, this kid that whose party it was. Okay. When I first met him, I clearly thought, "Wow, you know, you're so young. You've set up your own business. You've taken a gamble." Wow. Yes. Wow. You know, and then you get there. You, and you are think, the man. Okay. Yeah. Clearly, you know, your mum and dad have helped you out, <laughs> and all of a, all of a sudden yeah. it becomes a lot less impressive. You know, um, I think money does get you protection. It, it enables you the choice. You don't have to make too many choices in life because um, you've got always got options. You're and not you're not worried about paying a mortgage. You're not worried about and with, paying bills. And with that money, you will have some protection as well. There will be people who will be thinking about you. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, not maybe in the way you're thinking. I don't know. What, when you say protection, what do you mean? It means that Dad will be following what you do with one eye, with one eye only. Yep. He will have good accountants, yeah. advisors. Yeah, and if you fuck up, yeah. you, you'll always be helped out. And even yes, you can use the word "will mark" it already as the episode will be explicit. <laughs> Excuse me. Once it starts about the, <laughs> the topics we started about, yes, well, that that is actually what I would do. I would allow kids to do whatever they want, but once I would see that, look, look, honey, you are going into the direction yeah. it can bite you in the arse, then yeah, yeah, and then, so. that, then I would say at least when you see the first signs, just come to me. We'll sort everything out. Yeah, and I think that. You know, people from that world would unconsciously, you know, think that they've always got protection. They've always got a cushion. I mean, I might be wrong. I might be doing these people a disservice. But you know, if you if you come from money, I'm talking like real money, not not like. So what do you mean, real money? Well, not like my dad works for you know Ernst and Young on 150 grand a year. I mean, that's you know, that's people with some money. But these people are different. They've got money. They've got. You know, historically, the family wealth, you know, to be able to afford to go to the best schools. There's pots of cash. 
You know, I'm not talking just a good salary. I'm talking you're, you're, legacy. You're, you're, you're not talking about millionaires. You're not talking about a person who, who owns a house worth of 700,000. No, beyond but that. Beyond that. Beyond so that. you would say 10 million, 20 million, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yes. yeah. Millions in the bank. Yes. I mean, it's a mass generalization because I'm sure there are nuances and there are... In investments and, and businesses. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so yeah, so the world, but that world is, is beyond me. I don't know what what goes on at these public schools, um, but you know, lots of the Tory government is made up of people that went to public school. Um, okay, so there, 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 there is a Conservative Party and there is yeah. a Labour Party. Yeah, which of them are Tories? Uh, the Conservatives. The Conservatives are Tories. Called yes. the Tories. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which historically has always been from that background. I actually so do like this. conservatives, really. Sorry? I do like conservatives. You, don't, you like the conservatives? I do like the conservatives. Uh, of course, I agree that they have to be in balance, yep. both of them. As long as they will be in balance, everything will be fine. But I do like that side, the dark side better. The dark side. Why do you call it the dark side? They think about economy, they think about businesses, and the labors should think about people. Yeah, that's it, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. We own our You've got it in a nutshell, yeah. Well, isn't, isn't that the way? There, yes. are, three, there are three parties, as I, or four, four, the main ones. Yeah. I, I see it in a simple way. There is a party for businesses mm -hmm. who protect the interests of businessmen. Yeah. There are Tories, yes? Mm -hmm. If I'm... I might be wrong. Well, it's, there, it's there, 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 there are, la la they are yeah. laborists. Yeah. They, sh they should not come out of the factories themselves. This is different. These are different years, different, different time. But still, they should protect the social system. Yeah. Then there is party of whales, who should not care about anything else except once somebody wants to <laughs> fuck whales, then they should <laughs> shout against that. Yeah. And then in tough times, there are some nationalists. Yeah. Who've got the, whose following is the the least educated. Yeah, yeah. Let's say the people who who go to their cope in like like bare feet and mm. in their pajamas. Yeah. Read Sun. It's interesting you've forgotten and the Lib Dems who got wiped out the last election. Oh come on, the Liberal Democrats and obviously the Green Party. As no, well. that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> come on. There is a player and then there is a not yeah. a joke. Well, they, they've got to do something, but they are not the serious players. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And everything else is just a wing. Yeah. Do you ever think that is there a need for the Green Party to rule that? Um, I think there's a, there's a role for them to have a voice in, yes. in government, absolutely. But, you know, yeah, at the moment they're far too sort of narrow-focused to kind of really gain any traction, frankly. People won't trust a party like the Greens. Um, but certainly they've got, a, they've got a position, they've got a voice. They, they are necessary, I think, yeah. As are all the other parties. UKIP, as much as I hate them, they've got a role because they yeah, represent oh, people's views and, and voice. I actually yeah. do like them. Seriously, I do like them. You, yeah, what do you yes, like about they, UKIP? They've got opinion. Yep. They've got identity, mm -hmm. opinion, and a spine. Yeah. That is, look, how can't you not respect that? Yeah. If you if you respect somebody, well, you like them, no? That's true. That's true. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you've got to agree <laughs> with them. No, no. But like in a, in a sports, you know? <clears throat> yeah. You will always respect sport, like strong sportsmen, and despise the weaker ones, like, nah. True. Even in the Olympics, you know, somebody comes like, ah. 
<laughs> five minutes later, yeah. he might be an awesome sportsman, but over there, <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah, I mean, I think all politicians have got views, but you're right. I mean, UKIP has a strong identity, and that's why it's appealed to so many, so many people because they've got a clear position, frankly, which the other parties have struggled with. I mean, no party really wants to talk about immigration, or they haven't until now, until Brexit, and now they've got a mandate to actually look at it because the people have voted, the people have spoken. Up until then, parties were so scared to talk about it. Why? Because it's a hot issue. Because it inflames racial tension. So what? Ah, governments don't like to do that. Parties don't like to do that. They don't like to rock the boat. Whereas UKIP was different. So yeah, there is a lot. There's a, there's, there is something there to kind of admire, I guess, and respect. But ultimately, I think what they stand for is... Well, it's not for me, put it that way. But then I'm a bit of a liberal lefty, so... And that is the thing. When I say, for, at least for myself, yeah, a middle class English, uh-huh. it means he's doing fine yeah. financially. Yeah. He's got wife, one, two kids, cozy house, mm-hmm. grammar school, good education, good connections. Yeah. And then... They are very open to anything that happens in British society. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to be basically like you're trying not to be racist, you're trying not to offend anybody and mm-hmm. you've brought up in a good, 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 good way. I think it's because I know I'll always be alright. I don't say that flippantly. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Yes. But I I, I look at I look at politics and I've kind of stopped voting for myself. People people pick a party, they look at the views of the party, okay. and they think, okay, so if I vote for that guy, am I going to be better off? I stopped thinking like that a while back and thought, actually, what do I believe in? Because I'll be all right. Well, you know, I'll, I'll get by. I've got an education. I've got a job. I've done all right for myself. I'll be okay. Actually, what about the poorest in society? And so that's what my political views have kind of have been formed over the last sort of 10 years, really. Stop voting for yourself. Vote for what you think is fair and what's going to benefit the most people in this country. Shit, that's a different level. That's the so thing. That's, it, yeah. But people don't do that. People vote for themselves. They think, okay, so will my job be safer? Yes. Will I have more money in the bank? Will Because, you know, and, and rightly they should because they're in a different position. And, exactly. They and are not at the stage or... As, yeah. as you are, and they're, they're, yes. they are counting their money more carefully, I guess. And they are. I'm not saying I'm rich at all. I, you know, far from it. I'm just saying, if I, you know, I've got it in me to work hard. I want to do well, and I think, okay, unless the economy completely crashes tomorrow, I'll be okay. But so many people don't have. And even if it does, you will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it does crash. Exactly. You'll be fine, yeah? Yeah. And, you, and I look at it, and you're right, what you said at the start, the Tories are the party of business um, and the party of the economy. And actually, you know, up until 2020, when the next election, I think the economy will probably do all right. It'll, it'll you know, it'll even out, will be protected, interest rates, you know, interest rates will be kept low, uh, which is all good for me and my business. Yes. But I'm not going to vote for them, and I haven't voted for them ever. Seriously? Yeah. I'll always vote for Labour or the Lib Dems or the Greens. 
because they want to protect the poorest in society. And I think that's fair. And if I have to pay a little bit more tax to do that, I don't see the problem with it. Whereas other people might think, no, oh, you're not taking my tax, I work hard for that tax. And yes, okay. That, 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 that's, a, you know, that's a really cool point, good point, interesting one. Yeah, and this, is the, this is how I think, and not everyone thinks like this, and you know, I can understand pe why people don't think like this, because people are protectionists, they want to protect what they've got, they think if I work hard, you know, why should I pay more taxes to help people over here? But part of me just thinks, I'm one of the lucky ones. You know, because I did go for a good school, I did go to university, and other people don't have that opportunity. And, you know, and people argue, well, you know, they, everyone has an opportunity, they just have to work hard for it. But it doesn't really work like that. I mean, not, it's not as clear-cut as that, is it? Some people do work hard, some people, you know, no one's got a choice about where they're born or where they grow up. Some people just sit in cozy offices, drink coffee and <laughs> record podcasts. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. How lucky we are. Um, but yeah, there are, and we've had this conversation before, haven't we? there are people that won't get off their, their backside because they can't be bothered to work hard. There are those people, um, but think, some people just don't know where to start. I think it is all about the fear. Seriously, uh, the more, the more I, I, I see a human being, you see, the things are, for me, either they are clear, no, the things are both simple and complicated. Those two things always go hand in hand as misery and total happiness. Yeah. They're both connected. Mm. You can't meet one without another one. Yeah. And the complicated situations like unemployment and something, I think, in the very basics it is very simple. There's lots of fear. Fear from who? From lots of things. And then, then, then you start going into complicated things, but mostly fear of change and what will happen after. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also people just don't, sometimes they just don't know where to start. You yeah, know, they, I, they are fine where they are. They're fine. Well, I think, I think they know they're not fine, but they just don't know what to do. And again, I don't say that flippantly. I just mean, you know, if you've grown up on an estate somewhere, maybe you'd You've grown up without your dad, as so often is the case. Okay. Uh, your mum's struggling to make ends meet. You, you're getting through school. You know, I, I don't know. I think some people just don't know what to do. And you could argue, well, there's loads of jobs out there. There's a job, you know, there's jobs in Pret-a-Manger. There's, you know, everywhere you could, you could get a job. But then, okay, you'll get a bus there. You know, there's so many different barriers that people like. Yeah, maybe it's about fear. And people think, oh, it's just too much. I think people just need a help. They just need a bit of a, a bit of a kickstart, an incentive, which is wrong. But it, I think some people just need some help, you know. But again, once you start introducing help, it destroys the the normal the normal circle of life. Yeah. And then the brightest don't get those jobs. They don't get those positions. That's true. Because of the system of the help. Well, this is kind of what happened with the university system. So when, when Labour was in power for so many years, yes. their, their position on, on higher education was that, you know, let's give much more opportunity for people to go to universities. So rather than the top 20, 10% of people going to university, let's make it 50% of people going to university. And of course that happened. And I was part of that, that whole mix. When Labour came into power in 97, I went in 98. And then lots of people, you know, went to university. And it has, it has diluted the marketplace. 
So all of a sudden, employers are then looking at quality of university, quality of degree. They're not just looking at it and thinking, okay, so you, know, you went to university, you'll get the job. It did dilute that marketplace because so many people went through that kind of university experience and did get degrees. And it's kind of, you know, almost devalued the degree to a point. I mean, what will happen now with degrees and university being so expensive, we might then get a reverse because people will think, actually, I don't want to do that. I'm going to be, you know, 30, 40 grand in debt when I come out. Is there another option? Is there an apprenticeship? Is there a, I don't know, whatever, a job rather than go to university? That so, what, so what, you will owe 30, 40,000. A good job? Is like eighty, hundred thousand a year. You'll yeah, I mean, fine. straight straight out of university, if you if you get a decent job straight yes. out of university, you can probably expect to earn thirty, forty, thirty, forty to yes. start. Um, as and as I say, starters, yeah, yes. you're, the the payment to pay that that money back is um, is affordable. And you, yes, because you've got a good job, and yeah, it's not necessarily a massive problem. And it's debt that you don't necessarily want, uh, especially when you're applying for mortgages and all that sort of stuff, but. You could probably afford it because you're going to get a good job. It's those that go to university and don't end up getting a good job, but then they probably won't pay it back. So, like my wife, you know. And actually, I think they write it off at a certain point anyway. Like if you haven't earned enough to pay it back, they're just <laughs> you're not going to pay it back. That's fine. You know? Okay, that's fine. It's just good. Yeah. So it's quite a good system, really, in terms of affordability. It sort of works, you know. How old is your son? He's six. He's six, and. Yeah. So what do you plan for him? I don't know. What's the school he goes to? Well, Maidstone has got grammar schools. Okay. But I don't know whether he'll be bright enough to go to one. I don't know. I've got no idea at this point. I mean, he's, he seems smart enough. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, one option is to pay for tuition, but I don't really necessarily believe in that for the reasons I said earlier. Okay. I'd hate for him to get into a grammar school and then not be able to cope. I'd much rather him go to a, a different school and then be sort of higher up. What about, well. what about Catholic schools? My kids, look, Latvians are very simple. We want to, our kids to have the best, the best education they have. Mm -hmm. We think that is the main trampoline you have to have in your life. Yeah. Two things. Yourself, your own connections, who you are, and then the second thing, the education. Yeah. Nothing else matters. And definitely not sports. But this society is different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, grammar schools are, you have to have great English. And our main problem is that our our English is quite limited. Mm -hmm. So we our kid, the English of our kids is the same. It is actually quite is, is sad. It? Okay, because they're just not getting that help yes. at home, basically. E exactly. Do you speak English at home? No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. So, the, so, so your so kids the, only so speak English at school. Yes. So okay. the vocabulary is quite is quite poor. Yeah. And these are not the days when kids read lots of books. Yeah. So that was one of the ways how to improve your vocabulary. Yeah. And so nobody, almost nobody goes to grammar schools. And then, well, what is the next alternative? Mm -hmm. Catholic schools. Yay! My kids go to Catholic schools. Okay. But there are other, I mean, there are other options. What are the other options? Well, there's some good, there's some good comprehensive schools in Maidstone. So schools like Valley Park. Okay. They've got a very good name. Um, there, I mean, there are other good schools outside the grammar system. So what, what would you suggest to parents who are thinking, well, um, they want to give the best for their kids but are just clueless? What to look, what to look for? 
Do they have to look? There is a rating system. What is that? Very good school. Yeah, there's there's Ofsted, um, which is an inspection system the government set up a, a long time ago now, with, and they go into the schools. I think it's every two years. Okay. And they assess how well that school is performing. Yes. And I think there's excellent, good. I think there's outstanding, outstanding good, yes. and then another one, which is not so good. Come what they call it? Yes. Um, <laughs> struggling or whatever. But so yeah, so that's the first thing to look at, and that's exactly what we did when we got our son into. His infant school. So you were looking for that. Yeah, yeah. Is the system is that system like ranking system reliable? Yeah. It is not that corrupt. Everything is corrupt in this world, but yeah, I don't think it's corrupt. I think what happens. So my son, my son is at an infant school. Okay. So five to uh, seven. Five to seven. And yes. then he'll go to a junior school. Okay. Which is across the road where he is now, and when we looked at his infant school, we had a good Ofsted. Yes. But his junior school didn't. It had the third rung on the ladder. The and the two, the two are linked. So the, the kind of third grading, I've come up with what it's called. It's, um, what are they called? Shit. Okay. <laughs> in, in, <laughs> Sorry. Inadequate. I don't know what, it, what they say. But so you are sending your kids so, so we, to the we, third So we sent him to a, a good infant school, yes. but it is linked to that junior school. But we thought we love the infant school. Yes. And we thought it's three years until he gets to this school. Okay. And, you know, rightly, what, what tends to happen, as I see it, is the, the schools that are struggling, they do get more attention. So they either get a new headmaster or headmistress that goes in to improve it, better teachers, because they are desperate to get out of that level. They want to get up to good. So or, they or they change their names. Or they change their names. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, some, some schools are just yes. doomed, frankly. Yes. And then it becomes about, okay, you need to move because you want to get closer to a good school. I mean, my friend uh, lives over in um, in Harwichshire, okay. and they've got a very good junior school. Yes. I think it's outstanding. But the local comprehensive school, because he doesn't think his kids are good enough to get weight at this age, they're the same age as my kid, but he's suspecting that his kids might not get into grammar school. If they don't, they'll have to go to the local comprehensive near Harwichshire, which has got an incredibly bad name. And it's not doing very well at all. It hasn't done so, for years. So why do they... So, so he's thinking about moving to Maidstone. I do not I do not understand that. Seriously, when I was living... Uh, in now, now I've moved the houses. We had new neighbours just moved in. And they decided that they will go... They will send the kids to the school just across the street. And they did ask us, what do you think about the school? Well, the school is the school. Yeah. It is, it is on the phone. And if there was fourth, they would be on fourth. <laughs> I just said to them, look, our kids go to Catholic school. Yeah. Yes, it takes time. You need to go. You need to drive through all the through all the town. They just can't be bothered. No. Yeah. I'm trying not to swear using French words, well, but that's that's about laziness <clears throat> or lack of time or something. They just can't be bothered to take that time and to take the kid. Why do you have to move the house? My wife drives every day. <coughs> I should explain, actually. You have to move house because lots of... If it's a popular school, okay. they only take people that are closest to the school. So it's done on a postcode. Yes, but you can still you can apply to, to three schools. Yeah, but your chances of getting in that school if it's a long way away... At least get to the second level school. True, but they'll look at it and they'll, they'll look at your options. One, two, three. And they'll say, okay, so you, you really want to go to this one that's five miles away... But actually, your second choice is half a mile away. 
that's where you're going to go. And you don't you don't make it your second choice. But this is why there is such an issue in this country. There's such an obsession okay. with quality of schools and having to be located near the best schools, and that's what's okay. informing lots of house prices. So, so that is actually a thing, yes. So if so, when people are planning on kids and something, they just want to buy houses near to as good schools yeah. as possible. That's why you go to Right Move and you look at your at the house that you love. Yes, schools is there, and then there's links to Ofsted. It's all driven by, well, a lot of it is driven by quality of school. and People want to be near the best schools. And again, you know, that is part of the whole selection system in this country. And what drives the best schools is people okay. with, the best, with the most money. Okay, yes, it makes, it makes the best sense. Houses and, yeah. yes. It makes sense. In our case, there, there is only one Catholic school, I suppose. Does it have to be one, Catholic one school for your kids? Well, we are kind of Roman Catholics, so that's, we are lucky. But basically, yes, that... It is an outstanding mm -hmm. school, and what we've heard that yes, that is the best option you can you can take out of the public schools, okay. out of the private schools as as private as public, but the normal public schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that's and what you did. That, that's a, a good approach, I suppose. You know, when you you just I would say how I would evaluate the school. <coughs> I would try to pass the school after the after the lessons are finished. Mm -hmm. And you see, you can see from the kids and from the parent, parents. What would you What would you be looking for? What sort of things? Come on, you will see. Which one is a shit school? Which one is <laughs> kids walking walking out of the school with cigarettes and <laughs> talking about anal sex? Those will be the ones <laughs> the schools you want to avoid. Yeah, yeah. Even though they, have, they if they want, they they can go through that phase of life. But that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 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 still, you can look. You can see from the kids. You can yeah. see differently from from the kids. That's true. That's true. It is the same as we have just just upstairs. We've got the medical place, uh -huh. and you can see the people going there. <laughs> you can see from the face. You yeah, know, those guys yeah. haven't passed. The, they haven't gone through the gamma school. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, the people are different, you know. Yeah. You by the good schools, you will not see parents sitting in the cars and smoking and waiting for their kids. Mm. Just, yeah, just, I mean, just people are more like you, you know. <laughs> By the good schools, <laughs> one of the yeah, I, I think all of it. A lot of it's about teaching for me. I mean, you know, uh, it's difficult when you go and look around a school to understand what the teaching's like. But for me, that's what drives a good school. If you've got good teachers, it'll be a good school, and then you'll get pupils that okay might be you know little wicks outside school, but they're gonna they're gonna concentrate for five minutes because they've got a decent teacher. So, are you thinking to to change the? Are you are you considering to move? Like no, because what what happened? Is, Dudley's he's been there for almost three years now. Dudley. So, so my son Dudley. Okay, that's a dangerous um, name these times. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so next year he'll go to the junior school, which in okay. the in the intervening years has now become a good school. Yes. Because that's what I was going to say. A lot of the schools that struggle will often get extra attention. To try and get yes. out of that yep. situation, so they get new headmistress or headmaster, they get new teachers coming, and that's exactly what's happened at the school okay. that Dudley will go to next year. Uh, so we're, we're happy. Very nice name, Dudley. Thank you. God, no, no, seriously, very, very nice, very, very nice name. Yeah, my wife came up with this, uh, named after Dudley Moore. Yes, I would think more, more about Harry Potter and Dudley. Yes, but we weren't aware of that, him being yes. the, uh, the brother. Because uh, he's a horrible little character, isn't he? 
If we'd have known, we might have, we might have thought so otherwise. He's a happy boy, so... He is a happy boy, yeah. The, the name itself is... Happy? Cozy? What, Dudley? Yes, Dudley. Cool, <laughs> you know? It is a cool name. Yeah, there's not many Dudleys out there. Something out of... like There was a kid's tale about veterinary, veterinary doctor who could speak the languages of the animals. Oh, Dr. Doolittle? No, yes! Dr. Doolittle, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Something out of out of that. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good lad. Yeah. He's a good lad. Yeah. So and what about that? So you would expect he would go to normal comprehensive school? No idea at this point. Part of me thinks Well I don't know. I mean look he, he seems quite smart, but I've got no idea. No idea. And I don't want to put any pressure on him. Because I just want him to be happy, really. I want him to do well, of course, and I will always encourage him to work hard and do his best and, and make sure that he sees school as important. Okay. But, you know, I wouldn't put pressure on him to, you must do this, you must do that, because I just think kids just need to be happy. I think if you're happy, then you'll probably do better anyway. And that's the thing, you are like your party boys. The Houston, how did you call them? Houston boys, yes? Oh, the Eaton Boys. Eat, Eaton Boys, yes. Eaton Boys. <laughs> Just happy. Yeah. Everything will be all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be honest, I'm sure the Eaton Boys have got their own their own issues and challenges. What are um, their challenges? I suspect they're, they're probably under pressure to do better than their, their father or... Okay. I don't know. I'm sure <laughs> why, they haven't why, why, got, why there is such a smile? I'm, well, I'm sure they haven't got it. Because earlier I was sort of talking about it. I'm sure they haven't got it easy. I mean, no, I don't think anyone's got it easy. But I think if you've got money behind you, there's a different sort of, I don't know, you have a but different though, motivation. Okay, you have your father, stick father and mother, but then you have uncles and aunties yeah. who will always take care of you. That's true. You'll be fine. Yeah, that's true. This is it. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I look at Dudley and I think, you know, he'll probably be okay because he's got decent parents, you know, he's got a good grounding. Uh, and whatever he happens to do, whether he goes to grammar, whether he goes to comp, I think he'll, I think he'll do all right. I think he'll get a job that he wants, and I'm not really worried about him really. Do you know what I mean? I think he'll be okay because he's from good stock. Not to say he'll get a good job. Yes. I mean, he might he might not, but I think he'll be all right. Whatever you know. I'm quite relaxed about it. I think people fret too much about what their kids are going to do or. Um, I think people were obsessed with it, to be honest. As long That's as cool. he will find a wife good enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. From the same good stock, he'll wife. be fine. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Or slightly richer. <laughs> I think he'll be, yeah, I think he'll be fine, yeah. Marry into money and he'll be all right. Um, <laughs> so you have to, have to take him to girls' parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, dear. No, I, yeah, I don't know. I think he'll be fine. I'm not worried. But people are. I mean, people obsess about this stuff. Lots of conversations about... That's understandable. It, it is. It is. People want the best for their kids. I get that. Uh, for me, I just... just want to have a bit of fun. And just... Mm -hmm. For us, this is a new planet. Co the system is completely different. Mm. For you, everything is normal and understandable, but... Yeah. Yeah. If it makes sense. It, well, it, must be, yeah, it must be a, an alien world yes. coming in, not knowing the intricacies. I was listening to the show you did with the mortgage advisor. And again, it's like a load of that stuff I didn't know. 
Um, so from an outsider's point of view, it's like, how do you even navigate that sort of stuff? School system, again, it's, it's difficult, really difficult. So I think you do a splendid job with the podcast. Well, it's, it's a valuable um, entity, isn't it? Okay, we've still, we've got some, we've got some good breed listeners. Tell us about your podcast. Yeah, so I've been doing my podcast since February. Very different to your pod, podcast in that uh, <laughs> mine is designed to um, help businesses uh, be inspired to be more sustainable. So we talk to startups, innovators, inventors, entrepreneurs who have kind of created a business which is based on sustainable principles, i.e. don't waste anything, care for the planet, care for people. Um, so we, yeah, we, we interview a whole bunch of different businesses doing really cool things, whether it's creating plastic out of greenhouse gases, um, a company called New Light Technologies, whether it's, so I think uh, who else we've had on the show, yeah, Cooley Cooley bars made from moringa plants so that it can support a whole new farming system in certain parts of the developing world. So some really interesting business stories, and we interview someone every week, and we put out a story, and, and I use my kind of network of sustainable business kind of nerds, if you like, um, who kind of listen in every week. But it's been going every, yeah, going very well. Sounds like a bubble from the Eaton Boys <laughs> Well, <laughs> It is. Well, it's, it's a weird one, because it's a bubble that, unless you're in it, you don't really know exists. But it's like anything, it's, it's a niche, it's a kind of, there's a community of people that are interested in this stuff, that are interested in creating businesses that are going to save the planet which does sound quite highbrow, um, but it's a real thing, and lots of people are talking about it, and, it's, and that's what my business is, basically. What is it about the same the planet, what people are so obsessed about? Well, not enough people are. There's a pro- the, the planet's got a problem. No one wants to talk about it, because it's too far away for people to really understand properly. Okay. But we've got a problem. I mean, the greenhouse gas emissions okay. are a massive problem. The, com- the, the world is heating up. And scientists, lots and lots of scientists, not just a couple of nutters, are now saying if the global average temperature of the planet rises above more than two degrees, we've had it. Like floods, drought, tsunamis, um, massive life-changing weather events will become more common to the point where populations will be disrupted, there'll be mass migration from away, away from these places, We worry about the migration coming in from the Middle East right now. There'll be, be mass migration of people just escaping their situation. And not just on little islands out in the, the Pacific. This is, you know, countries everywhere, the UK included. I mean, our floods in recent years have been worse than they've ever been. And there's lots of people that say, yeah, yeah, but we've always had these issues. We've always had floods. But actually, if you look at a graph, the problems are getting worse. Okay. And the, the, the planet, so that's, that's the number one issue. The other issue, there's so many issues tied up with what I write about. Uh, resources running out. Like there's, a, there's a threshold on everything. And we can't just keep consuming in the way we've consumed for... Which resources? Uh, food being a big one. Serious? Extractives. Yeah, yeah. Food? Yeah. Food. Food. You, you, everyone just think, yeah, food will always be there. Exactly. There's a real problem. No. Because... Which, which, which food are you talking about? Which part of the, like food in general is, is a huge is a huge basket <coughs> but 
Well, food production is very much tied into the whole climate change yes. and the planet warming up. So if, if temperatures change and there's changes in our climate, farmers will find it harder to create the same amount of food on the same amount of land. And we're already seeing that. So farmers are constantly under pressure because their soils are getting worse. You know, they don't want to keep putting loads of pesticides on their crops because the soils are just getting destroyed. So therefore, they have small pockets of land, they, their yield has gone down maybe a third over the last five years. What does that mean for them? And then what does it mean for us in the West or anyone else that wants food? These are huge, like huge, huge problems that no one's really talking about. Man on the street doesn't really want to talk about this stuff because it, it feels so over there, especially climate change. It's like, forget it, you know, that won't happen for another hundred years. But it will happen. So, so all my world is, is talking about the solutions that companies are coming up with to alleviate these problems. So whether it's sucking greenhouse gases out of the air, whether it's reducing energy costs, whether it's um, finding better ways to support farmers so they actually... Um, I've never, I've never yeah. thought about that. Then maybe you should change the way how you approach your podcast. As your, your podcast, for me, seems so... Like, from the church, like... Yeah, Yay. I think part, partly is that the should, podcast is not for you. Yes. <laughs> well, so I, think, I, I do try to listen. I know you do, it. bless you. Um, but bless you. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 for my own reasons. <coughs> I just, uh, yeah, it's, it's because the audience is largely aware of this stuff. So they're quite, a, they know all this stuff. So okay, I'm not so you are, you are talking already about the inside things. Yeah, I'm talking about something people. that people already know about. Yeah. So I'm not kind of trying to sort of simplify it for a, a wider audience. I mean, maybe, maybe there's another podcast in that, which is for the man so, on the so street. That, so that is your niche. So that is your niche. Now I, now I finally start understanding that. Yeah. So my audience already knows these issues, okay. but they're desperate for ideas and inspiration and solutions. So the idea is that if we talk to a company which is nimble, agile, in a sort of startup zone, who doesn't have all those legacy issues of running a business which has destroyed the planet. Over here, we might have some big business sort of people listening in who might grab some ideas. Let's say back. Virgin. So Virgin, yeah. What um, do they do? Um, God, they've got so many different businesses. But, I mean, they're, they're piling loads of investment into different ways of powering airlines. I mean, that's Virgin Atlantic's one of their big businesses. Interesting. So, Go on. Yeah, so I don't really know the ins and outs too much. I've not really covered it too much. But but yeah, that, that will be their stance. Let's invest in new fuel cell technology or new green fuels that are going to power aircraft so that the emission... I mean, aircraft, air, the airlines are responsible for about 2% of worldwide global emissions. Wow. Which is quite a lot. So yes. if you can reduce that, then great. Other industries like you know, steel production, hugely intensive. Uh, coal... Oil and gas. I mean, I've heard that kettle, cattle, kettle, not not kettle, cattle, cows. Cows, yeah. Yeah. What do you what do you call it in general? Yeah, uh, uh, cattle farming. Cattle farming. Cattle yes. farming. Huge, huge problem. Huge problem. Like, are it, they are they the main? It's the methane from cows. So when yes. they fart and, and burp, yes, they pump methane, and methane is more dangerous to the planet than carbon dioxide, like twenty one times more. Sort of potent and, and damaging to the planet. But we've always had that cattle farmer. We those cattle cattle farmers. We have, huh? but not 
not as many as we have now. Because you think about the developing world, you think about China, India, and the growing middle classes that are now eating more meat. Yes. So cattle farming has just boomed, it's expanded like an unbelievable amount, which, is, which means more cows pumping more methane, but it also means more clearing of uh, forest. So you've got that double combination. Okay, as you need more space for them. Because you need more space for them. Less forests mean less air. Well, just less yes. trees sucking the yeah. nasty stuff out of the, out of the planet. It's a massive, I and mean, this is it, it is a massive, massive problem. And it's not until. Has anybody been thinking about story, uh, forests in several stories? Like five story for forests? What do you mean? Like a book? No, like a freaking house. Oh, Instead, sorry, right, yeah, yeah. Have ever th- has anybody thought about that? Well, living in the forest? No, you just make forest like a house on several stories, like five stories, ten stories. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it would work. You need soil. You, you know. Yes. Well, how, how are you going to have this, this, the amount of soil between the stories to support trees? And then the trees need light as well. But... Look, people... Look, we can now start a video call with somebody on the phone in Tokyo. Yeah. And add another person from Los Angeles. Yeah. Seriously, do you think that you can't make a three-story three well, forest? Story. I'm not too sure. I need to think it through. Um, really? Like a three... Like a, vertical uh, farming is a real thing now, then. Go on. So this is kind of intensive yes. farming on a vertical scale. So rather than having to have lots of land, you literally build upwards and you yes. grow your crops yeah. under, you know... In an intensive way, the other thing is that's going to be huge very soon is lab-grown beef and meats. Go on. There's a company called Beyond Meat, U.S. company, okay. getting loads of investment right now, um, which was creating kind of beef patty, like you do using a burger. Yes. Uh, with the same texture, the same feel, the same taste, even the same sort of blood that's coming out of it. <laughs> But there's no meat in it. There's no meat. So it's protein based. So it's an, and it's yeah. It's is it something with GMOs? No. Nope. Nope. It's huge. I, I would stay away from GMOs as as far as I can. I I agree. I agree. But this is the next big thing. So you know, in in view of how damaging cattle farming. Okay. So a move beyond. So meat. beyond beyond meat. Yes. They're called beyond meat, but moving beyond meat in terms of our consumption. Is going to be what we're doing in the next 10, 15 years. So, and their mission is to sign up with like Burger King or. Well, I, hope, of the well I think their mission is probably to wipe Burger King out, actually. Why? Well, because they'll become such a viable alternative. People will, will not want to eat meat because the substitute. No, no, still, still, the, still the Burger King, instead of buying meat, will buy the stuff from them. Possibly, okay. possibly. Yeah. Possibly. A bit massive shift in their business model, though. Um, Should be cheaper. Mm, Maybe eventually. Maybe eventually, but not at the moment, certainly. So what about the bees? Bees? Yes. Some people are talking, oh, we are losing bees in in masses or something, and they are the cornerstone of our world or something. I wish I knew more about bees. Um, Yeah. Have you you heard those? Yeah. yeah, As they come up, and I'm always like... "Mm." I know. Yeah, it's, it's, it, again, it's one of those issues that you, is too far removed from from kind of our day to day. 
a lot of it's around the, a loss of biodiversity, so loss of land that's kind of got wildflowers, you know, that, that bees would use. I don't know about bees. God, they're, they're pollinators, aren't they? So they feed off one plant, take it somewhere yes. else. Yep. They're hugely important, I guess, for the, for the, the ecosystem. ecosystem. Yes. Um, yeah, and I suppose the, the more we clear land and urbanise areas, the the bee population is on the decline. Um, I don't know too much about it, to be honest. I was... Can I ask you a question? <clears throat> what can I do? That's a very, very selfish question. What can I do to improve my English? Um, what would you say? Read. Okay. I'm looking at your bookshelves of uh, of many many books behind you. Yes, well that that is one of the reasons. Um, yes, read, um, talk to more English people, go to the pub more, chat to random people more. Yes, go to the pub. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> there are classes within classes and pubs already. <laughs> okay, and you can the pub. and you um, can break through those walls. Okay, um, talk to you more. Talk, I already do that. Talk to me. I think. <laughs> Even too much. <laughs> talk to me more. Um, yeah, I think that's it. It's, I don't know. God, have you looked at the adult education centres? There's one next door to here, isn't there? I just think they're for sad people. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm sure there might be something there, though. Even you know, if it's kind of a, an look, English refresher for foreigners pass, or something. We passed that place. Yeah. You see those people. <laughs> those faces are sad. We we had a center like that over here as well. Yeah. On the ground floor. Were you there already? I was, yeah. Yes. And those people were that were standing and well, waiting for, strong, for the center. Well, they, 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 they were trying to get people back into, into work, wasn't exactly, it? Exactly, yes. Adult education is not is not that actually. No. No. Go on. Adult education is designed for people that, that just want to learn a new skill. And, and it's, it's quite it's, cheap. And, and, it's, and they were learning like computer stuff. Oh I god, think that, those I, people were. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then you listen. say, "Bless them." <laughs> no, I won't. But listen, you should check out the adult education centre. It might be a course for you to improve your English. I'm just trying to help you, Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> well, in order to solve the problem, at the beginning you have to admit it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nah, nah. <laughs> Many many Latvians yep. before coming here to the uh, because before coming here they thought my English is good. Mm -hmm. They really thought, oh my English is good. Yeah. But then we all come here and we just understand <coughs> our English is shit. And what is it? Is it because you want to express yourselves more, or you want to more understand people? In order to understand. explain your point of view, yeah, you need a proper luggage of of vocabulary of the words. Yeah, you're able to use. Yeah, you've got every person has to be able to explain themselves. Yeah, and not only in serious talks, but in, in able to joke, mm -hmm. to think like another person. Yeah, is that often why you know when expat communities descend, yeah. they stick together more, Maybe. Yes. probably less able to integrate as, as well as they probably want to, um, but. I guess that's part of it. It's, it's language, isn't it? So I suppose that's it. Yes. I think so. Yes, and so. maybe the last thing, if you could say something to the Latvians who are listening to you, to your satin voice. <laughs> well, um, what do you want? What do you want me to say? Or would... No, 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 not me. No, no. But what what would be helpful? Do you think? Look, everything you've been now we've been talking about. Uh, 
90 minutes almost 80 oh. 80 minutes yes okay. yeah I don't I don't think I'll be editing anything really yeah just there's so much information there and so what would you say to, to Latvians my message to Latvians yes God, yeah it's... It, 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 it can be tough like fatherly tough <laughs> it, it can be but well, if you've got some whatever you feel but I just, you know, and I think one of the first questions I asked you when I first met you was kind of, what does it feel like in post-Brexit Britain, didn't I? To say, you know, half of our population have kind of had enough of the immigration system. They don't really want foreigners to, to come here. That's fine. That is... Well, I know, and I remember your response, which yeah. was kind of, well, we're used to that, you know, that's part of... Of, of course. we part of it. You, you, you feel the same about the Russians in Latvia, right? Exactly. So we understand your point. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But well, enough is enough, and that's that's fine. Yeah, and we respect that. Well, I I was one of, the, of those that didn't want us to leave the EU, and the main reason was I think there was an economic reason. I mean, all the experts were saying this is a bad deal; we shouldn't do this. But the reason that I didn't want us to was that it would send the wrong message to a foreigners living here, and b those on the edges and, and I'm not saying that lots there's lots of racism in this country but there clearly is you know a subset of our of our communities that are pure racist you that just they, they just can't yeah, bear the yes. idea of foreigners being in our country oh, I've met those guys they're yeah. fine they're, they're fine actually well, I, I, once I don't you, think they are once you explain <clears throat> once you explain so, sorry go on sorry go on well that was the main reason I wanted us yes. to stay because I, th I thought it would send out all the wrong messages to those sorts of people that would validate their view and I don't believe that and I, that's why I wanted us to remain because I didn't want for them to get any validation that their view would be at all right um, so I guess my message to Latvians is you know contribute to the country engage integrate try hard to learn the language to anyone that, that comes here and you know just enjoy it because there's lots to offer, you know, there's, there is yes. lots to offer. I understand why people want to come here. We have a lot of good stuff. People moan about a lot of the bad stuff that doesn't work quite well. But there's so much to enjoy here. Exactly, and pe people do miss all the things that they are enjoying. They think it is so natural. It, exactly, that's exactly it. Yeah. Which is human nature, because people tend to focus on the negative. But It is one of my concerns as well. That people can't enjoy the life anymore. They can't enjoy the beauty and yeah. God, the life is so good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It is awesome. The other thing is, is, especially those living in Kent, get out of the towns, get out of the cities. There's so much to enjoy in this county. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Some parts of it, and well, actually, all around the country, there's areas to to enjoy. You got to get out of the towns and cities, though. Get out walking. My advice: just enjoy it. But it must be hard if you don't have a good grasp of the language. I mean, I really think that's important. So, yeah, do that. But I don't know. Yeah, who am I, Helmets? Who am I? Oh, you are. <laughs> You're out of the good stock. What would you say to English? This will be probably the first podcast where mm. there will be no introduction in Latvian. Okay. I want people to start listening it from the very beginning, without any introduction. Okay, okay. Seriously, it will start like like that. Yeah. There there will be a written description and that's it. Okay. 
And we've covered a wide range of topics. Yes. What would you say to English? To the English. Just imagine who could stumble upon this podcast. I'll use some tags, something, and if somebody stumbles upon them, I might actually run a Facebook advertising campaign. Yeah. To promote your name. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> to the English. Yeah, I don't know. I, there does seem to be a, a lack of tolerance, I think, of, of different cultures. I mean, particularly in parts of, or provincial Britain, you know, kind of, well, I guess this is where we are, isn't it? We're not in London. This is not a multicultural society here in Maidstone. We've got lots of Eastern Europeans living here, but um, just, yeah, I think everyone should just be more tolerant, get to know people from different cultures. It can really broaden the mind. And actually that, going back to what this podcast was going to be mainly talking about, which, is, which was universities, wasn't it? Yes. That would be, I mean, I didn't, my university, I, I didn't learn much, to be honest. I learned the trade of how to be a journalist, yes. But the biggest thing I got out of it was just meeting different people. And not massively culturally different, but just different people that weren't from where I was from. And they might have been from a different city, a different part of the country. But that was the biggest thing I took away from university. And that's why I would encourage my son to go, not necessarily about the education, but just to experience different cultures, different people's views, different ideas. And, and that's the, that, I think that is what builds tolerance. You know, if you've got someone from Latvia living next door to you, knock on the door, have a conversation, get to know them. They might teach you something. You might learn something about yourself, about them, about the world. No, 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 sorry, no. You don't knock on the doors. Well, some people do. I would. But at least greet. For us, for, for Latvians. Yeah. It is, we see the difference. Yeah. Some neighbors greet with us. And that is the main thing. Mm. We don't need we don't need flowers and pies delivered to our doors. Thank you for becoming yeah. our neighbors. No, well, I don't, I'm just not actually an, saying just, an, I... just an ordinary thing of of a greeting, like yeah, good morning, exactly. good afternoon. That is exactly the yeah. And you and we can't be asked for more, really, as yeah. there are lots of people who just openly ignore us. Yeah, which I never understand. And I that never is, would understand. That, that is quite well. Not in my case, I can always battle that, but... I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just, well, it is, it's just people... I'm quite egotistical, so... But there are some people who are just, okay, I understand I'm a foreigner, and maybe they don't want me here. Well, that's not good enough, because, yeah. this is to say, well, you are here, you are contributing, most Latvians are contributing, they're working hard, as you say, in the factories that we don't even see. Um, they're playing a role in society but you're just from a different place and people struggle with this and they probably shouldn't. Well, they definitely shouldn't because people are people with something to offer the world. Unless they're not. Unless they're bums. <laughs> Thank you. Just be happy. Indeed. And be happy. Enjoy the country. Yes. And with us, there was Tom Idol. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.